Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, you've kept up your end of the bargain. I mean, listening is literally all you have to do with the podcast. That's it. Hello, and welcome back to the first full episode after our summer break. God, that sounds proper professional. Hello, and welcome back. I'm going to bring a different... I mean, what's funny? Nothing. (laughs) It's not a comedy podcast. It's not a comedy podcast. We were lying to ourselves for a really long time. So I'm just going to use Wikipedia and talk slowly. No, we're pretty good at... (laughs) We're pretty good at the research part. Yeah, that was a joke. We use actual books. Yeah. Okay. Some. Uh, yeah. I never use Wikipedia. No, I don't. Well, Slash and Dash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. That was... Okay, so should we just get straight into it? Yeah. I've missed listening to your little murders. Have you? A little bit. Oh, I love mine. I like the little murders. Your little, oh, you and your little murders. You what? and your little bullshit stories that no one else is interested in. <laughs> Well, this is a little bit of a little murder, to be oh. honest. It isn't. Um, oh, no. I'll accept it. So, um, we're going back to the early 1980s. Historical for some, not for many. Mm. Okay. Um, and Barry Stone was a resident of Devon Street in Nottingham. And he owned a terraced house in what's the Snenton area of the city so i think i was gonna do this but i didn't do it is he a taxi man no oh, okay um so if anyone is familiar with nottingham snenton is like quite close to the city it's not a particularly affluent area um it is a lot of terraced houses crammed in well, i don't um, know nottingham well enough to comment and so he didn't really have he wasn't like a well-off man so he had a steady income as a laborer and like an odd job man he would need someone else to help make ends meet properly, basically. That's the ends of it. So in 1983, Barry Stone was living alone as he'd had a divorce and he was 45 years old and considered a quiet and introverted man by those who knew him. So he was like known by sight as one of the regulars at a pub called the Queen Adelaide. Oh, I love a regular pub. What's a Nottingham accent? Is it like... Ayo, up, me doc. I really don't know, to be That's honest. That's Nottingham, isn't it? Is that Leicester? When I hear someone do a broad Nottingham accent, I can spot it. Not in um Twenner. <laughs> but I can't really do anything more than Twenner. Twenner. 
Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much all they say, I think. So the landlord there at the time was like, yeah, Barry, he's quiet, he's polite, he just comes and sits alone in the corner, doesn't bother anyone. Why go to the pub then? Well, he just would go, he'd go... Yeah, home. Yeah, he'd go every Saturday and Sunday. So when he wasn't working, just at lunchtime, just went and had a couple of pints. Gets them out of the house. Yeah. But he was never ever drunk and... But he was never. He was also never seen really hanging around with people. He would just go to like soak up the ambience, I guess. Fair play. Um, and his ex-wife completely agreed with that description and just said he was a simple man. Like lots of people knew him, uh, but he wasn't really close to many people. And he certainly didn't have any enemies, and he didn't have any bad blood with anyone. He just sort of like pottered along. Mm-hmm. But Barry did have this one friend who knew him slightly better than most people. And he was called Patrick David Miller. And he was also in the similar sort of trade. He was a plumber and builder. And he would stay as a lodger in Barry Stone's house while he worked on jobs in the Nottingham area. And obviously Barry welcomed this. Um, So he was a similar age, 46 years old in 1983. And he was an ex-policeman but as a military policeman, he'd been in the RAF. And he was, so everyone assumed he's like completely clean cut, he's reliable. Um, Though, while I was researching this, a lovely little website called Nottingham Nostalgia Forum. And apparently someone on there knew this date, uh, Patrick Miller, and said that he would always let down the cricket team. Oh, bastard. Like they'd have a match and he just wouldn't fucking come. Didn't bring any fucking oranges. I mean, if they didn't know then... You can just imagine all the cricket teams sitting around and Betty's out murdering. <laughs> um, so in May of 1983, Barry Stone vanished. He was reported as missing and the police began to try and investigate the life of this mild-mannered person to see where it could have happened. But Patrick Miller, he then started painting a completely different picture to everyone else of Barry's life. He claimed that Barry was not as quiet as he seemed and that back at home, he was an extremely hard drinker and he would regularly get absolutely wasted. He also said that he was a womanizer and that um, even though he didn't have, he, people knew him as not having many friends, Miller said that he seemed to have a lot of female friends who would come around for adult sleepovers. What, Barry Stone? Yeah. Well, yeah, I never would have thought it. No. <laughs> so Quite the uh, double life there. But no other witnesses ever claimed to see a woman going to the Devon Street house. And Miller just insisted that it's true. So like, this one guy is like, I know, I know the real Barry Stone. But you can imagine, he's living with him and people do yeah. have secret lives, don't they? But it is just Miller. So There's no at, evidence. Yeah, at the time, people were like, ooh, this, like, exactly like you, this is revelatory. We never would have thought it. It's a bit like I've been listening to the teacher's pet. Have you listened to it? No. It's What's really it good. I think it's better. Is it about, like, teachers? No, no. Oh. I think it's better than Serial. It's like Serial. It's um, a woman's gone missing, and um, the, it's really obvious who's done it. I'm not going to say, because if you start at the beginning, you don't want to know. But... Um, and then it go, there's like one person who's saying, oh yeah, she phoned me and said this. Oh, she bought this on a bank card. It's literally the only person that everyone else, there's no other ev- evidence for it. 
It's like trying to just sort of sow those seeds of maybe she's not who she says she is. I've started listening to two new ones this week. Go on. Um, they've not. We don't know them. They've not asked us to promote them. But one is just started just two episodes called Doctor Death, and it's by the same people that did Dirty John. Oh, I like Dirty John. And it's like this doctor who is killing people, but. It seems like he's just incompetent. Like he's doing these really like butchery operations and surgeries on people that just leave them completely messed up. And I think human so centipede too- style. No, like he's trying to do <laughs> trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do like brain like spinal surgeries, but then he's just drilling in the wrong places and keeps drilling, 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 oh and leaving fragments in. And we don't know quite what's going to happen yet. But it sounds like. But then they've just started talking to people who knew him, and he was obviously like struggling to function in daily life and yeah. people were supporting him and I'm like fuck maybe he had early onset dementia because he just sounds like he can't shit so I'd, I'll murder. be interested to know if he starts to be evil that's one and the second one that you might be interested in is called good christian fun <laughs> but it's like so it's kind of perfect for us because it's sort of it's not a preachy podcast but mm. it doesn't like it's not like being a dicks to christians like you can listen to it if you're christian or not um, but it's sort of like poking fun at like Christian pop culture. So oh. there's like a whole episode on Veggie Tales, <gasps> yeah, or like um, the Tribe and uh, stuff like that. Like was the Tribe religious? No, you know the ones that did jumping in the house of God. Uh, jump up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Flashbacks. Yeah, so it's like really nostalgic. Blank uh, that from my. Preteen memory. Jesus. That's literally the whole song, isn't it? Yeah. We used to jump in the house of God. Oh like, my God, we went to we, so many pop concerts that were Jesus ones. We thought we were like really hardcore. We are like, this is a mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. <laughs> no one's nose getting broken. It's not a mosh pit. So yeah, those are my two recommendations for the week. <laughs> I can't promise I'll listen to any more by the next time. To, it's not going to be a regular feature. Um. So anyway... Back to Barry Stone's disappearance. So there was an occasion not long before Barry Stone's disappearance where Patrick Miller's nephew had popped round. And Miller, uh, when he came over, he was pointing out to his nephew, look, these lipstick stains on this mug. And look here, women's underwear hanging on the washing line. And Miller told police that I mean, he's got complete access to the house. Well, did he carry on living there when he died then? Or when he disappeared? Died, yeah, disappeared? Um, I think for a bit. But what I found that the funniest about that is that sort of a, for someone who doesn't live with a woman like or doesn't <laughs> yeah. date women, clearly, Pat, I don't think Patrick was, are just like, well, if a woman comes over to stay, she's going to immediately put her underwear in the washing machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's ever gone? Yeah, like, she's gone round for a quickie. Can I just wash these, please? I've only got the one pair. I'll pick them up next time I come round. <laughs> yeah. Just go home, commando. Oh, sorry, I'm kind of like showing up to work. Like, oh, sorry, I've got no knickers today. I, just, I had a shag and I had to wash them. You know how it is. Oh, look. oh god. Just squelch home like the rest of us. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Amazing. So anyway, apparently the women that Barry was sleeping with oh, like needed to shame. wash their underwear. <laughs> squelch of shame. <laughs> it's no longer walk of shame. Oh Lord, sorry. Am I right, girls? <laughs> it's been a long time. 
Only because you didn't have to walk anywhere. To <laughs> yeah, the yeah. To the bathroom. Anyway, this is is this respectful to Barry? This is totally Sorry, going Barry. against my new vibe that I was trying to bring to the podcast. <laughs> um, so Miller told police his theory that he thought Barry had disappeared because um, he'd been having an affair with a unknown married woman. He just knew her as blonde woman. Again, I think yeah, that's, what, that's what friends knew her as. He just an angry husband possibly or they'd run away together or he was laying low because things were getting awkward between them but the police had nothing else to go on so they just kept Barry as a listed person and their investigation sort of just hit a dead end like no one knows anything about what he's up to he doesn't have anyone else to talk to so a year later in 1984 um as a matter of routine the police would just regularly review certain files that had were unsolved and Barry Stone's file was reviewed by DCI Bruce Foster and DCI Carl Jackson and they were suspicious as they read through the notes of the fact that Patrick Miller was the only person who was seeing this wild side of of Barry they also discovered that a number of reminders for a loan company were arriving at the house after he disappeared. And a check of their records showed that the loan company had given Barry Stone £4,000 in the January of 1983, just five months before he went missing. Um, So his house in Devon Street was being used as assurance on the loan... But most importantly of all, the signature on this agreement that said, I'll give you my house if I don't pay it back, it wasn't, it didn't match Barry Stone's ah. signature. So being the... Bright, I mean, if you don't know if it's Patrick now, like, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, I don't think <laughs> I'm exactly trying to hide it, no. <laughs> but, well, what's interesting is what he did, I think, after. So DCI Foster immediately suspected that Patrick... Um, had done the wrongdoing. So when he brought Miller in for questioning, he also arranged for the agent who'd co-signed this loan to come in and see if he could identify him. So he popped in and said, yeah, that's Barry Stone, who I met. Um, Back from the dead. Yeah, and DZI Foster sort of remarked that Miller just was really odd and he was just like, he said in his words was, he was as cool as a cucumber as he was arrested and taken to a cell. Yeah. Just not really... That links to my story a bit, actually. So, however, despite that he seemed, like, quite calm, it he broke in the night. The one night in the cell was all it took, and he just realised, actually, I can't talk my way out of this one. And so when the constables came to collect him from his cell, he just said, you know I've done it, don't you? <laughs> And then, They're like, shit, no, on the record. Yeah, like, wait till we press play. <laughs> um, and after some questioning, he just confessed to having fraudulently obtained the loan by pretending to be Barry Stone. Though, he did say that Barry had been in on this plot, which makes absolutely no sense because if mm. Barry's in on the loan, he would just go and get a loan. That's just getting a loan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I'll do that. There's nothing illegal about wanting your own loan <laughs> and doing it. Um, so Miller then went on to say that in on the 27th of May of that year, um, the pair had had an argument about money. But again, that doesn't make sense if Barry's involved. If he's involved in the plot, 
Why would you be arguing about it? The only reason you'd be getting in a huge fight is if you'd done this illegally yeah. and he was sort of finding out by yeah, the Yeah, it literally makes no sense that he's going to get out alone and just give it to this guy. Yeah. He just, yeah. So they had a huge argument about money. And during the course of the argument, Miller became so angry that he lost control and pushed Barry and he fell backwards, hitting his head. The fall had cracked Barry's skull and proved fatal. Staircase. So then Miller said that he just panicked and knowing how bad the situation looked that no one would believe it was accidental, he decided that he'd best just get rid of the body. So using things that he had, obviously he was a plumber and things like that, he wrapped the body in plastic sheeting and took it during the night to a house in Woolerton Vale where he was doing some work for an owner who was away. And once he got inside the house, he prized up some floorboards in the living room. I don't know why it feels worse that it's the living room. Yeah. But, it does. but he prized up floorboards in the living room and lowered the body onto a concrete base and then replaced the floorboards. So my first thought is, that's going to stink. My first thought is, those floorboards are going to be fucked. Because <laughs> when my plumber came round and took up the floorboards to get to the pipes, just like saw them wherever. There's just lines all over my bloody floor. Well, that's probably more... I mean, the crux of this case is whether he did this premeditated or not. Mm. And if that's true, that plumbers fuck up floorboards and yeah. he didn't, he might have, that there might be go. more evidence there he planned it. They should have had you in the trial. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then... So obviously he just says, oh, I just dumped a body in and like covered it up that's not a very long but this is a plan, year is later this is a year what? after barry's disappearance so that was in may of 1983 he's now been confessing in 1984 so and barry hasn't been found so if that's what had happened it would be stank yeah so three months after he'd buried the body the owner of the house in woolerton vale went away on holiday again so Miller took this opportunity to return to the body and pour concrete over it in this sort of grave and then replace the floorboards again to sort of seal everything Clearly in. he doesn't need to. Like everyone, no one's noticed. You'd think you'd notice. Well, I don't think it makes sense. Like he obviously must have done that straight away because even three months later, would you not? Mm, no? No. I don't know. I had a stem of broccoli for <laughs> two weeks in the pantry that... Really made things musty. <laughs> so, um, That's the same. It's true. <laughs> well, people keep telling me, don't keep these vegetables in the fridge. Don't keep these vegetables in the fridge. And I'm sorry, but I'm fed up of listening to YouTube videos about where I keep my vegetables <laughs> because it always stinks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eat them fast <laughs> enough, really. Broccoli is the worst. Goes yellow Someone, in a day. Some YouTube people are trying to convince me that tomatoes don't live in the fridge. Well, you can swivel for that one. I'm never <laughs> leaving my tomatoes on the side. They, they are nicer when they're... tomatoes a oh, bit. Oh, they're mm. nicer when they're a little bit room temperature, though. No, they go... They're like mush. I like a crisp tomato. I like to chomp it like an apple. Back to quality podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you keep your tomatoes? <laughs> right, well... We don't have to. I don't have to give you any insight into my life. So, you know, like if we do have any long-term listeners, they're going to be so disappointed when they get into the podcast at the start and I was like, and I was going on all sorts of like crazy Tinder dates. And like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's about... Always having like little sex capades. And now it's like, 
well, I had a bit of broccoli that went... <laughs> Great. Just grow up with me. It's like the Harry Potter books. Like, <laughs> raging. So, the 3rd of June, 1984. So, over a year after Barry went missing. Police went to the house in Woolerton Vale to search for this burial site. The owner was understandably completely horrified because that was the first that they'd... Even like, literally, police knock on the door, we think there's a body in your house. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and they'd employed Miller to move. He'd been moving a radiator a year ago. So they just never thought that anything would have happened. So once the furniture was removed from the living room, the carpet was taken up. It was obvious. So actually, where the floorboards had been lifted and replaced. So he did have a carpet to cover the mess. It's a bloody good carpet. Um, No smells getting through. Yeah. So then directly under the floorboards could be seen this perfectly smooth layer of concrete. And it looked like it was solid, but they just sort of tapped it with a sledgehammer and it completely cracked the outer layer and revealed this black plastic underneath. So in order to remove the body, the concrete had to be cleared completely and then a trench dug at the side of the body so that they could like almost forklift it, like slide a board underneath and lift it up. And then all the soil from around um, was collected and sent away for analysis. Oh, this is like my house was, like, literally just built on soil. Yeah. Old school. Is that how all houses are built? Mine was on soil, and then we underpinned the lot to put another, like, layer in. But yeah, like, literally just sitting on soil. Quality podcasting. (laughs) See, we can both be boring when we want. (laughs) So on the 4th of June, 1984, the autopsy began. The plastic sheeting had been tied with electrical cable and knotted into like a handle at the front. So it was sort of like a really long sports bag they lift up. And the media played on this idea of it being like a cricket bag because Miller was totes into cricket. (laughs) As if that would go through your mind like, oh, let's make it into something that I like. I don't know. They do. They latch onto one thing. I think it's the same in mine. Or it might be next week's, spoiler alert, but they literally just latch on to something that's yeah. not really relevant. He was on a cricket team. That's relevant to this Cricket whole... murderer. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, you can imagine, because then they just come up with all the stupid puns, don't yeah. they? Um, so inside, the body had, that was inside further plastic carrier bags and a fertilizer bag. And finally, the wrappings were removed to reveal a fully clothed male body. And due to the conditions of the soil and the pretty much a tomb he'd made, the body hadn't really rotted as such, but it had turned to adiposia, I think is the way to say it. Like adipose being fat. Um, Doctor Who fans, there's like the little adipose creatures that are like made of little fat babies. Um, But it basically, it can be more commonly known as corpse wax. So it's where like um, fat tissue... In your, if it's in like a damp environment, it sort of creates, it just goes into like a yellowish, waxy, grease substance. Oh. So it almost like looks like they're melting. Oh. Um, now, I know, sorry, that was pretty grim. Yeah, enjoy your dinner. Then the issue for the police was to determine, like we said before, if this is a story of accidental death and panic or whether he'd planned beforehand that he was going to murder Barry. Um, and one of the things that would determine this was the details surrounding exactly when he went and poured this layer of concrete over the top. As Miller claimed the death was accidental, he insisted the body was disposed of in a panic and that he'd left it for three months before 
coming up with his plan to go and properly entomb it in concrete. However, if this were the case, there would have been flies, maggots, your little pupae, is it? Like all around the body. Because um, was, it was built with air, like air bricks, which I guess breeze blocks. So they all had holes, there were central heating pipes that would let in like slight bits of air around it. Um, and generally, it only really takes a matter of hours for flies to find a corpse. Which, again, talking about my vegetables, I... <laughs> When I came back from Scotland in the summer, the kitchen was full of fruit flies. And I was like, where the hell are they coming from? And it was a bag of carrots in the pantry that had been there for about three weeks. And it was just like, they were, I lifted this bag up and they were like, like everywhere. Should have kept them in the fridge. Should have kept them in the fucking fridge. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But like, if they could find my bag of carrots, like imagine a whole human, like rotten corpse. Yeah, because I swear sometimes people die in their house. And I don't know how the flies get in, but there's always flies. Yeah. It, they don't need anything big. Like, it's the tiny... But if you do have this issue, get a jar. <laughs> oh get my a God. jar. A little bit of washing up liquid. Yeah. A lot of vinegar. Yeah. And just leave it on the side. They, really? Yep. Yeah, they love the vinegar. They're like, mmm. Go for a little drink. And then they're like, ugh, it's soapy. And they just drown. Oh, and then we had a jar, like, at, full of just floaty little things. Not very vegan. Well, I... Mm. <laughs> it's flies. So, um, the forensic entomologist who worked on the case, he couldn't find any traces of insect life whatsoever. Zero. What? Um, and this implied that literally, he that Patrick Miller must have prepared this um, dugout area under the floorboards, um, put the body in and poured the concrete on straight away. Oh. Because there mu- would have been something in there. Yeah. Um, it was also thought by the police that this female clothing, the lipstick mark cups, like you said, Miller's got access to the house, totally, he can do whatever he wants, that he'd created this red herring of an angry husband. And I was just really disappointed. <gasps> do you think he put the lipstick on himself and then had a little drink? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just thought, like, this is... When I first read it and they were saying about how he has a secret life and there's lipstick and women's underwear, I was like, of course, women don't wash their underwear. I was thinking, oh, he's a secret drag queen. <laughs> and I was like, they were secret drag queens together and then they had a lover's tiff. And I was like, this could be so much more fabulous than it turned out to be. <laughs> so... The big focus for Miller's defence was on the physical evidence of the body and in particular the wound that he died from. So there were no other marks on Barry Stone's body to say that this fight had been much of a struggle, that he'd been anything more than shouting and this one major push, um, which coincided with Miller's story. So the injury that he had was... a. three centimeter wound on the back of his head and then underneath a four centimeter crack in his skull and the report from the pathologist also said that barry stone had apparently this untypically thin skull oh. like something about something to do with barry men that his, more than normal people his skull was quite thin and he said yes actually a fall could have Oh. cracked his skull and killed him in that way and it was kind of just lucky that he hadn't had a fall like it at another point in his life so the case went to trial in nottingham and the jury were not convinced by the prosecution's argument for premeditation 
they genuinely believe that he'd just done it in a panic. Yeah. So Patrick Miller was found guilty of murder. Oh, sorry, not guilty of general murder. Yeah. He was found guilty of manslaughter and was given four years for that. He was found guilty of fraud for the obtaining the loan and was given two and a half years for that and then they said obviously you concealed the body and he got one year for that so what seven and a half years total for killing and hiding a body for a year yeah and then i guess you wouldn't even serve all of that would you not in england so i think like you got away with i mean it does seem like with the injury like yes it probably was an accident but how could that have ended? Like, it seems like he wanted to get rid of him anyway. And then to plan... He definitely thought very quickly about how to hide the body. Yeah. But I suppose he had everything at his disposal to be able to do it. Do you think if he'd pushed him and, like he says, and he'd accidentally died and he'd reported it straight away, he would have been better off? I don't know. Do you think they would have believed him if you reported it I guess they'd still look at his skull, but then he didn't know about that, did he? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, on the Nottingham Nostalgia Forum, (laughs) um, there's a couple of people that seemed convinced that Miller had hit him from behind with a spade. Now, I can't give you anything, any citations, because it's literally just people typing things in a box. But one guy was like, because obviously this Nostalgia Forum is like, do you remember this? I remember this. And loads (laughs) of people were like, yeah, he hit him from behind with a spade. And I was like, yeah, a spade would perfectly make that sort of like... And we know he had a spade because of And he the would have had a spade. Soil. But then that could have just been something that the newspaper speculated at the yeah. time. And then this person remembered that. Mm. Um, but I'm convinced that that's what happened. I don't think <laughs> you accidentally pushed someone over and then pour concrete on their body and like try and forget about it. Yeah. Hmm. That was an interesting one. I like there that. There you go. A couple of twists and turns. <laughs> The murder of Sadie Hartley. Um, I got a lot of this from an ITV documentary, not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> so if you search for murder of Sadie Hartley, you can find um, 
And it, it, the reason I found it really interesting is because um, basically they were filming a program on police in, just bear with me. Um, so it was like camera crews just following Lancashire police. And then they got a call about this murder and they just happened to be filming anyway. So they were just like, well, let's just follow everything to do with this case and see what happens because they didn't know if they'd be able to make a documentary or not given they need mm. to get permissions from people so just filmed it because it was an interesting case but it really follows in depth the whole process of the case and trying to gain evidence and their initial thoughts from start to finish sounds yeah. kind of scary actually yeah but it was quite interesting um so I chose it as my murder. Um, so this is from 2016. So it is super recent, um, which always makes me a little bit nervous. But um, that the killer's going to get out of prison and be like, that bitch that did a podcast about me. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming for her. So 15th January 2016, uh, loving mother and um, wife. Um, she had a daughter uh, who just got engaged, Sadie Hartley. Um, her body is discovered at her home in Helmshaw. Now, she'd been to the stables to ride her horses, and she frequently did that. Um, and police then began an investigation, obviously, on the discovery of this body. So at this point, they didn't know anything about um, the circumstances around it. It's clear that Sadie had answered the door. Her attacker had clearly immediately attacked her, so it wasn't come in, have an argument, something's gone wrong. She'd been attacked right by the door, so it looked like it had been completely premeditated. She'd been immobilised with a stun gun. Now, at this point, they weren't they weren't 100% on that, but um, that's what happened. And then stabbed over 50 times with a kitchen knife. I wonder, can you just buy a stun gun? Um, well, you'll find out. Oh. Uh, so she was left in a pool of blood in the hallway um, to die. Now, initially, there didn't seem to be a motive for the crime. They talked to neighbours. Um, they reported absolutely normal. They'd seen her out and about that day. Um, her husband was out of the country, so it didn't seem like he could be a suspect unless he'd maybe hired a hitman or something. Um, uh, but the only the only thing that they found weird when they questioned the husband that sort of started to, to make sense that it could be linked, uh, the husband's called Ian Johnston, is that... Um, she'd received a bunch of flowers by someone in a baseball cap completely anonymously a week before her death, which mm. was a bit strange out of nowhere. And apparently it sort of made her feel a bit weird. And it obviously wasn't from him because she'd spoken to him about it. I love the phrase baseball cap. <laughs> like it's so, it's like an old man in the 90s being like, well, these kids with their baseball caps backwards. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, just yeah. Um, so then after uh, questioning Ian Johnston a little bit more, it starts to reveal that it could be linked to um, some goings on with their marriage. So he'd been in a... Well, re- I want to know now if it's him, because if he was on holiday and came back to find that his wife was murdered, that's so that is bad devastating dog, and horrendous. Because you would feel so much guilt and like, I oh, could have been there and like she was alone. That would have been so, so, so terrible. So I kind of hope he did it. <laughs> what for his sake yeah <laughs> not, not I sure don't know well no not for his sake I'm not sure what I mean I mean I don't want to be emotionally invested if it's him that's what I yeah, mean yeah I see what you mean I don't want to give him my pity if it turns out he murdered her um, I'm not telling you but um, it's like when someone looks after your dog and you're on holiday and 
Uh, Some bitch looked after my guinea pig in 1997 and it ran away while she was looking after it. She always wanted, she's like, oh, can you guinea pig sleep over? Can you guinea pig sleep over? Why are you so desperate to have a sleep over with my fucking guinea pig? Ran away bullshit. She ran away bullshit. She shoved it up her ass or something and suffocated. <laughs> we were both five. Oh no, how old was Did I? Did she tell you while you nine. were... While you're on holiday, or just no. When back? I came back, she's like, "Oh, it ran away." I've looked after that guinea pig for a good six months. How the hell <laughs> have you managed to like, run away in a week? But do you tell them while they're away, or do you wait till they come back? Because you're going to ruin their holiday. But I, I think I'd rather mm. know rather than like, and you've literally got to lie then and be like, "Yeah, he's fine." If my yeah, dog had died, here. if my dog had died while I was on a holiday, I'd want to know, and I probably would come home. Yeah, I think I wouldn't enjoy that holiday. No. And I think, why you? Uh, what are you doing with my dog? Yeah. What do you do with the dog when they die? I can't remember what we did to my. I think my dog got cremated like now. straight away. I was a I remember being shocked at like the speed of it all. We've always buried in the garden. Burying garden, plant a tree. Oh, that's cute. Not in London. You don't have Jasper's a garden. Jasper's still like on the kitchen surface, what? like round the back, like in. Fucking <laughs> hell. Like stuffed house, in the kitchen my mom. Like, <laughs> oh god they've got the, the new dog they've got might as well be stuffed like it Aww. literally is the laziest thing i've ever seen he'll get there anyway so he had had a, so this is the husband he'd had a relationship with an obsessive woman so he'd had an affair um sarah williams and sarah had written to sadie following their affair when he tried to break it off to tell Sadie about that she'd been sleeping with her, her husband, basically. I think in the hope that once she knows, she'll leave him and then she can get him back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the phrase, like, obsessive woman. Like, I feel that puts a bit of blame on her. Like, you've been dating a guy who's making you feel a certain way, like, treat, like making it seem like he wants to be with you, as in, like, you've had a long-term sexy romantic thing <laughs> and then when he breaks off to be back with his wife it's like you're crazy you're obsessive yeah i get that so the police use um so looking at the mobile phone of this sarah williams to track her whereabouts on the night of the murder um and this phone the phone records show that she was in the so on the murder the phone wasn't there but the week before when those flowers got delivered the mobile phone pings to the local tower so it shows that she was in that area Ooh. that week um so she and she was wearing a baseball cap because everyone knew baseball cap this is a male that yeah. was her disguise wasn't it she tucked her hair up inside the baseball cap like they do in films so that she can be part of the boys football team and then she fell in love with the goalkeeper no I don't think... No, she wasn't wearing the baseball cap. Oh. So, she lived in the Chester area, which is quite a long way away. So, it's likely she delivered the flowers, possibly to get a good look at Sadie. However... Clever. However, because they said, are you Sadie? Here's your flowers. So, it's a bit strange, but... Because she can be hiding in a car somewhere else, can't she? And just looking to see her face. Yeah, but then looking into it, Sarah had seen Sadie. They'd met previously, or she'd at least seen photos. Ian was 100% sure. She wouldn't need to say, are you Sadie? She she knew who Sadie was. Mm. So, Sadie 
Sarah is arrested. So they go to Sarah's home because they say, well, this mobile phone technology shows that she was nearby. This is our best bet. We need to bring someone in for questioning. She's the only one sort of with a motive. Um, so she's arrested at her home. Basically, they, they break the lock on the house to make sure she doesn't run out. They storm in. She's in bed and they just gather around her bed. And this is like filmed as part of the TV show filmed. when they enter the house. Yeah, you see it. <gasps> and they arrest her in bed. Um... And then the neighbours come out and they say, what's going on? Are Sarah and David okay? So then suddenly, well, who's this David? She's been living with. So please quickly find out that Sarah, who is 34, has a 75-year-old boyfriend called David who comes around at 5am every morning. Despite... They are awake at that time of day. <laughs> what old people? Yeah, my granddad is like up at four a.m. I was like, "That's still the night. Why? You've got to stay in bed." Just because he's like, "I don't need much sleep." Yeah. Like if you're not working, if you're not working, why? and you go to bed at half six in the evening. Like, yeah, maybe he's up at four. Um. So this David is actually married and has a child with his wife and his wife knows about the relationship and she's all right with it so <laughs> his child's probably 50 <laughs> yeah yeah his, his child's older than sarah but apparently he's known sarah and sort of had a weird relationship with her since she was 17 which is that's really pretty grim up. yeah um and he goes over every morning to maintain their relationship there's suggestion maintain. that it is a sexual relationship but i don't know 75 or Goes over at 5am, like, she must still be asleep. What yeah, surely. Um, so, detectives then examine text messages between Sarah and Ian, the husband of Sadie, who's now been murdered. So, Sarah has been contacting Ian, but he's been completely ignoring her. And this is until recently as well. And then also, on her phone, she'd been writing down stuff in the notes section that they found. Mm. I remember this is someone's job to go through it. And it was, like, really in-depth fantasies about her and Ian together. Oh, and you need to be careful with your notes section, because my notes section did a weird thing where it automatically emailed all of the notes to myself. What? I don't know. There's something you can do where if you write a note in a bit, like, it just sends it to your email address. Someone who's writing sexual fantasies on notes like get get a pen and paper it's just more relevant and like I, I just don't understand like imagine like reading through that having to analyze that evidence it's pretty weird so do you think she's obsessive now yeah kind of a little bit because she's already she's got someone coming around at 5am every day so it's not like she's lacking attention so they start questioning sarah and she is it, she just call us a did cute... she have a job uh i think so yeah yeah i think she's working uh she's like she's super chill she says she was at home at the time of the murder doesn't seem phased at all says that she had this relationship with ian but she's just pretty chilled about it now they search sarah's house and when they get there they notice how incredibly clean it is and how it has been basically cleaned from top to bottom with bleach um quite recently which either she's super clean or she's trying to hide something. Or, again, that's what happens when you have an old boyfriend. Because if I asked my granddad to clean something, he'd be like, well, I'll just bleach it. He just like <laughs> swore figure the children. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know about these things. But they do find a small spot of blood on the sink that they send off to be analysed. Um, and that's like the only thing they can find, the only bit that's been missed. See, I could never be like a, like a forensic person over like 
you've got to search an entire house to yeah. find a bit of blood. Like, if I'm even, like, cleaning my bathroom, I'm like, oh, this corner can wait. <laughs> like, I would never be that thorough. Like, but within this... It's impressive this, that they can yeah. find a blood spot. Within this case, also, I think they, they search... Um, I think there's a farm, it's either Sarah or Sadie's farm, but it showed footage of them searching a farm, and they were like, this is going to take weeks. Imagine having to go through... They were going through bales of hay. Do you think it's like when you're at school and you're doing one of those like geography things where you have to throw a hoop and then wherever your hoop lands, you have to inspect what's, <laughs> what environment no. is inside the hoop. Did you oh, have to do I didn't that? Do that. <laughs> That's quite good though. You, you throw your hoop and then it's like, oh, is there litter in it? Is there wildlife in it? Is there concrete grass? What's inside your hoop? <laughs> do that with the kids Always the grass. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, so, but like literally, but imagine if you if you didn't check one bale of hay and then there's like a foot in it. Literally. You've got to do it. Yeah. Oh, God. So. Well done to all the crime scene investigators. Yeah. Sarah seems to have a lack of reaction. Again, she's still calm. She's still not bothered. She doesn't react. And she's been arrested. She's been read her rights and just doesn't seem particularly bothered by it. Now, police waiting for the results of the analysis of blood on Sarah's sink, but they need more evidence before they charge her because they think that could be something or it could be nothing. So they search for the murder weapon. And I think that's when they checked the farm. But they also believe because Sarah knew what Sadie looked like, there must be someone else who's delivered the flowers. So they start to focus on... They're not bothered with David. I think they think, yeah, it's just beyond him. Um, so they focus on one of her best friends who's called Katrina. Now, Katrina is a really interesting character. Um, she, The reason why they think it could be her is she owned a silver Astra and a silver Astra had been seen on the night of the flower delivery quite near where Sarah lived. Um, and two people had seen, said they'd seen someone who was bald and Katrina had alopecia and would often wear a baseball cap. Oh. Now, she's 56 Um and CCTV is found that shows Sarah and someone in a cap buying flowers as well in the nearby area. Um, so they look at Katrina's phone and that one shows that she was in Helmshaw on the night of the flower delivery as well. Um, and so she is also arrested. She's actually been staying with David. So when she gets arrested... Oh my God, I'm so confused. <laughs> so... Can you give me a brief family tree again? Right, so Sadie's been murdered. Yeah. She is lovely. Husband Ian. Husband Ian has been cheating with Sarah. Yeah. Um, Sarah has not got over it. Sarah is living with David. Yeah. Well, no, she's not living with him. Sarah... David comes around and stays with Sarah. Um, but she's also got a friend called Katrina who has actually been staying with David recently. Right. Okay, and Katrina's got alopecia. So, Katrina, when she's brought in, she says, um, I've got a memory problem, and I forget things. Things last about three days, and then they're literally gone. So she's got this... Like, Helpful if you're going to murder someone. <laughs> she's got this weird memory issue, like 51st date style. Um, and she says that and she starts honestly she starts she's at the desk the police officer is just signing her in he's like i'm here for your welfare i'm not to do with the case you don't need to tell me anything she starts talking 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 about the investigation saying i think sarah's done it and he's like no 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 stop talking like just wait um 
And she's like, I'm going to forget it. I need to tell you. <laughs> I can't say it now. <laughs> really interesting. Um, so when she's questioned, she says, I think Sarah's done it because I found a note in my diary and it and it's about the murder, but I don't remember anything about the murder. But when I found the note, I flushed it down the toilet. It's a really like, tangled, weird story. Now, they look for more CCTV footage and they find... Um, footage of Sarah and someone else, possibly Katrina, walking to a car on the night of the murder when she said she was home in bed the entire time. Katrina is such an interesting person. Mm. I want a documentary just about her. I would watch it. She knows she has memory loss, so she writes things down. But if she reads something she doesn't like, she just (laughs) flushes it. Yeah. (laughs) She's living the most insane life. Honestly, when they find a diary, it's got like bits cut out and crossed out of it as well. Like, nope, that didn't happen. (laughs) And she's never going to have those like, she's never going to sit staring at a wall being like, oh God, I was such a dick three years ago. (laughs) Because she just cut it out of a diary. So they show Sarah, this is my favourite part of cases. Show you when they're saying, yeah, I did this, I did this. Like, I, I was at home, everything's fine. I'm really sort of confident about it. And then they go in and say, well, what about this evidence that says exactly the opposite to what you're saying? And they're just like, oh, shit. And she suddenly, she starts not answering questions. She starts saying no comment, no comment to everything. But she physically sort of crumbles as a person as well oh you can see the moment when she realizes yeah totally introverted realizes that she's sort of been got now so it becomes clear from calls on sarah's phone that she'd bought a car because they they've got some phone numbers on there that they think oh who's this they phone the phone number say do you know this person and he says yeah i sold her a car she paid cash a week before well done you um Now, it was really hard to find the car because the number plate recognition software had read the plate wrong. So when they'd put out, are there any records of this plate, the records didn't match what actually happened. So it wasn't until someone, probably staying late, doing more than they need to do for their job, physically went through and checked through number plates. They went, right, I can see. And it was like a really dark picture as well. I can see this is the number plate we're looking for. So well done to you. I I think that's the the difference between good police work and bad police work as well. When they really care and they're like, we're going to leave no stone unturned. Yeah, like, fuck it, we're going to go to the effort because we think this is... Yeah. Yeah. So then they find the car in a car park and they bring that back. And obviously they can't touch anything on it. So they've got this sort of big setup where they put it in a van it's curtained off and things now at this point like when they had the unabomber's little house yeah. and they took it into the hangar and they were like oh let's investigate the house yeah basically so at this point it's obvious that sarah's guilty but it's not obvious whether katrina is involved or not in the actual murder it's obvious that she knew about it and how much maybe she was coerced or not into it so their job really now is to say, when it goes to trial, have we got the evidence for both of them or is one of them likely to get off? So she says, I know Sarah killed Sadie, but I can't remember. Oh, God, <laughs> Katrina. Very much. How do you know then? I just know. Um, she does say Sarah told her to deliver the flowers and she reveals that she and Sarah had been to Germany and bought a stun gun. So apparently, oh. you want a stun gun, you've got to go to Germany. So now that evidence is key as it starts to show premeditation. 
also starts to suggest Katrina was fully aware of the process and could have gone to the police at any time and said, my friend's going to kill someone. Um, unless she, I guess she'd forgotten. So I was like, go to sleep. Um, yeah, like, it's so, I can't get my head around how her brain works. Because I, I guess even if you forget things, it's probably not as clean cut as that's blank, that's gone. Like, mm. she has fragments. But then I guess if you're in Germany, maybe you've remembered, because you, maybe she still remembers things later or... I don't know. I don't know. I think the whole memory thing's bullshit, to be honest. Then why would she keep the weird diary, though? Yeah, yeah. I suppose people might just keep diaries. Yeah. Mm. What, like, writing about a murder? Just writing about your life, what you're up to. <laughs> just the murder that I'm doing. Um, so the blood analysis comes back from that spot on the sink, and that is shown to be Sadie's DNA. So Sarah's house... So it's like when she will have washed herself. Yeah. So Sarah's house says Sadie's DNA, 100% it's Sarah. Again, Sarah says no comment when questioned about that. She's she's not saying anything now. She's probably got <laughs> and a how determined you are. Like, if you were on a jury, you just went, 100% it's Sarah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Sarah. You, there's know. a spot of blood in your vicinity. 100% you. I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. Case closed. Um, so Katrina says on camera that she has actually hidden the stun gun and she hid a knife and that actually she can remember where she hid them. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and that she'd been told to destroy them, as well as the clothes and the towels, which she'd burnt. Um, Sarah's arrested for the murder. She's going to be charged with murder. Um, and traces of blood are found in the car of Sadie as well. So clearly that's all the clothes they were. I mean, from that murder, 50 stab wounds, they would have been genuinely covered in blood. So yeah. that, it's all over the car. Um, so... Katrina now says her and Sarah had planned the murder because they'd been playing, um, they'd been like sort of doing it as a game and they'd been meeting up and actually they'd been watching that program Hunted that I keep talking about and she says they got really excited so they watched that and then be like right we're going to do this this way, we're going to do this this way. Not watching it well enough because they've used the cell phone and they've... Um, yeah that's the one thing they bang on about stuff. in Hunted is yeah. like you can't use the cell phone or whatever. Stupid. Um, so Sarah not Sarah, Katrina takes the police to the farm where she says the murder weapon and stun gun are hidden and tells them where to dig and they find the stun gun, the pepper spray, the car key from the car and the murder weapon, the knife, which still has Sadie's blood on. She, I think at this point, is thinking, if I play ball, I'm going to have an easier time. But it's funny because... The police are obviously saying outside of her earshot. If she takes us to them, she's going to be way more... Um, she's going to have a lot more trouble at court because she obviously knew where they were. She's hidden them. At this point, I'm like, is Katrina just David in a wig? Like, <laughs> no, she's wig. wearing a wig to be David, is what I mean. Yeah. Like, I'm just... <laughs> anything's so, possible. So she solidified herself as a willing participant of the murder. So she then gets arrested for murder... And seems completely baffled by... Probably she's forgotten. What murder? Um, so then they find, by searching, I think, David's place, Katrina's diaries. And do you know what? I would have absolutely loved the job of going through them. There's one person 
um, she said, oh, it's my job to go through the diaries I've been going through, sort of like, I'm maybe not highlighting or logging every quote that's got to do with the murder. And she sits there, there's loads of them. And she sits there going through every single one. Um, and in the in the diaries, Katrina writes about being quite excited about being involved in the murder. Um so she says things like, oh, I can't believe she's trusted with me. I can't believe, I can't believe she trusted you. <laughs> yeah. And like really excited. Um, and it, it be- begins to reveal the extent of the planning that they went to. So things like Sarah um, attended a Christmas party that Sadie and Ian had been at and had bought a tracking device and she'd fitted it to Ian's car. And there's actually photos that they found of um, Sarah and I- Sadie and Ian sitting i think having dinner or something and there's um sarah in the background so they've got like a freeze frame of her just walking behind them obviously because she'd gone to put this tracker on the car um sarah and katrina obviously both going to germany by ferry to buy the stun gun um going by ferry is expensive yeah there's no joke there (laughs) it's just an observation uh katrina had bought the knife in tesco so she'd been sent by sarah to buy that knife she'd used a club card so technically, Tesco's paid for that murder weapon. Um, and then Sarah had bought binoculars. Um, oh, she used a club card, like, just, like, get it on my points, please. Yeah. Don't want this to cost me anything. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> I don't want to be out of pocket for this murder. I wonder if that was part of the planning, like, we need to buy a knife. Oh, can we wait till I've got food? <laughs> just have to rack up a few more loyalty points. <laughs> um so then Sarah had started like, and she'd been hanging around Sadie's workplace, using these binoculars, sort of keeping tabs on where she'd be when. So both Sarah Williams and Katrina Walsh go to trial and they're both found guilty. Um, obviously, Sarah, because of the blood and because of the evidence um, against her, but then Katrina, try, I think they tried to suggests that she was coerced into it but because of these diaries and things she'd written about yeah i'm gonna be part of this murder she didn't really have much chance um so um sarah received 30 years and katrina received 25 years now katrina walsh's ex-partner has actually um been interviewed about this as well and he said that she was a very vulnerable person and she was groomed by sarah after i think he left her and their marriage fell apart Seems quite likely. And he said that um, uh, Katrina had actually contacted him um, with Sarah saying, can you meet, can we meet you? Because we want, you've got a particular skill that we want to use. (laughs) And he was like, no. Um, I mean, I'd assume that was a sex text. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he'd, you can know and blocked the number. Apparently, he was he was an archer, so that must have been first Professional plan. Professional archer. Oh, that's first plan. Get get her to open the door. Shoot her from a distance. Off your pop. Dear me. I don't think he'd have agreed to it anyway if they'd told him. Um. So yeah, you can go and watch the documentary, but I found it really really interesting just um seeing sort of the the in-depth analysis of how they go about investigating a murder. And there's a few like that. There was another one that I watched about um, a young girl who was murdered by her ex-boyfriend stalker as well. That, that's sort of a similar... I think it's like 24 hours in police custody or something mm. like that. that so if also, I want to watch this documentary, I need to search for like Sadie Hartley or Just something. murder of Sadie Hartley and it should come up. I'm going to see it. 
yeah it's good well i want to see i want to see what i want to see what katrina's like does she actually talk on it yeah oh my gosh i need to watch it it's really good um so thank you very much for listening um and uh thanks for not abandoning us over the summer break yeah coming back uh keep telling your friends um keep uh giving us money if you're giving us money on patreon we very very much appreciate that and that's helped um in terms of sort of getting back into it and uh and um publicity and things like that um if you'd also like to help us without giving money we'd love a review five star on itunes would be ideal if you'd like to do that um and check out check us on facebook instagram twitter we're everywhere you can do all those things all over the internet all over the internet apart from our faces which are nowhere to be seen right should we be off then yeah okay bye we need to do that little dude uh, listening to slaughter oh oh okay (laughs) (laughs) and remember listening to slaughter doesn't make you a psycho writing down your bad memories and then flushing them like yeah bye (laughs) that does Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.